Virtual reality is not just a simulation. It's a whole other world, a new electric dimension. Virtual reality will grow. It will be everywhere. Once I've entered the neural net, my birth cry will be the sound of every phone on this planet ringing in unison. Welcome to Now Playing's The Lawnmower Man Retrospective Series. Lawnmower Man's in your head now. There's no escape. Ever. Part of the Now Playing Stephen King Podcast Review Series. This is the future. And you're afraid of it. Hosted by Stuart. His mind is like a clean, hungry sponge. Arnie. My treatments are making him smarter at an incredible rate. And Jacob. He's already been exhibiting <laughs> behavioral instability, and what you're suggesting could destroy his mind. This podcast will contain detailed plot spoilers, harsh language, and cyber sex. Well, I'm looking forward to having my lawn mowed. Listener discretion is advised. So if you're ready, don your iPhones and we can begin. Today, we're discussing The Lawnmower Man 2, Job's War, starring Patrick Bergen, Matt Frewer, Austin O'Brien, directed by Farhad Mann. Don your iPhones, I'm Arnie, co-host of Now Playing. Alright, Stuart in LA here. Folks, nobody jack out until we figure out what the hell is going on. It's going to be a long podcast. <laughs> and this is Jacob, your bastard host of A Lost Generation. Now, I remember... When Job's War came out, I actually went back and rewatched The Lawnmower Man. The Lawnmower Man ended on that cliffhanger ending. All those phones were ringing. Pierce Brosnan was going underground. Despite that movie being an utter piece of shit, I really wanted to know how would they continue it. So when this came, I was excited. I am shocked by this. Appalled is really the word. But on January 12th of 1996, this was in 1,589 theaters. No, It made $2.5 million, (laughs) and I did the math. I mean, I was was stunned when I saw these numbers. That was basically about 200 people per location in America. I mean, that is unconscionable. If you had given that many people herpes, they would lock you up. (laughs) I don't know how they got away with putting this movie out in 1,589 theaters. They thought they had a franchise on their hands. I need to set the stage for where Lawnmower Man was. I wasn't the only person wearing a Lawnmower Man t-shirt in the 90s, Stuart. Cybersex shirts were everywhere in the 90s. (laughs) It was like Bart Simpson and Batman. You just couldn't escape them. (laughs) There was a video game. There were actually several video games. For this podcast, I actually pulled out my Lawnmower Man for my Super Nintendo and played it. That's a hard fucking game, by the way. Oh, I didn't know that it was franchising that way. What would you do? I assume everything takes place with you fighting Job in the cyber tunnels and all of that stuff? Oh, that would be so fun. But no, it starts off kind of like Contra or Double Dragon or one of those. It's just a side-scrolling shoot 'em. And then you enter the cyber world and you start flying like Job did in the cyber world. Are you playing as Job? No, you're playing as Dr. Angelo trying to stop Job. But in the real world, Job has soldiers you must fight. And then in the cyber world, you have to fly. Okay. And then there was 
even a Sega CD game that used digital stills from the movie to recreate the events of the film. I never owned a Sega CD, but there were YouTube videos I could watch and not enjoy. I mean, you have to really get... They thought they had something here. This movie did huge on video. The director's cut, one of the best-selling laser discs out there, did great on VHS. They were actually signing contracts for a Lawnmower Man theme park extravaganza. <laughs> this was the next T2. You had Terminator 2 down at Universal and the 3D thing and all that. New Line thought they had a Terminator franchise with the Lawnmower Man. And so they said, let's throw 15 million at a sequel. We're guaranteed that money. But they didn't spend that 15 million, right? Stephen King took that. This is a $15 million production. Come on, didn't you see the CGI work in this film? <laughs> I did, which again, I, I state, <laughs> did all of this money go to Stephen King and his lawyers when he won the injunction and got them to take his name off of this? But don't tell me that they spent $15 million to give us this. They thought for sure they'd make 30 and maybe somebody was embezzling, but it wasn't Stephen King. <laughs> Somebody, yeah, somebody pocketed that money, and I, I don't know who, but, yeah, it's not on screen. And that's just the production budget. That doesn't count the post-production and the advertising. There is advertising? <laughs> <laughs> I, this is the first time I've heard of this sequel, as we're getting ready to do this King one. Lawnmower Man, I knew all about that and knew it had a troubled story. This one, this was a total surprise when I found out there was a sequel to it. Hell, I knew this when it was called Job's War. That's what I knew it as. They even rebranded it and tried again, re-releasing it as Beyond Cyberspace. Yeah, I noticed that. When I put in the DVD, it was called Job's War, and I used this little online tracker to just kind of keep track of the movies I watch. And yeah, it had that other subtitle to it. They, they couldn't even come up with a name for this thing, I guess. So, I mean, some of this is obvious here. Pierce Brosnan, by this point, was James Bond. He had made GoldenEye. He wasn't coming back. He didn't need this. But tell me, what was Jeff Fahey doing with $15 million in the budget? Was Sketch Artist 2 and all of the crap he was making at this point so much more tantalizing? Could they not have dropped a little money bomb on Jeff and at least had the same actor recreate Job? I don't know if he was unavailable. I mean, they did this in 94, and he was in Wyatt Earp at that time. So maybe he actually was doing better stuff. Maybe they didn't want to spend whatever he was going to cost because they wanted to save all of that for the cyber reality budget. And, well, Matt Frewer was a lot cheaper, and he did have... I mean, he is absolutely perfect for this. First of all, I mean, we've talked about him before with Generation X. He is Max Headroom. So... What better person to get as a king of cyberspace than Max Headroom? Conceptually, I agree with you. And then I saw this performance. <laughs> we'll talk about it. But yes. no, he is not <laughs> Jeff Fahey. And that means a lot. <laughs> and the other thing is Matt Furrer was coming off of Stephen King's The Stand, where he played the trash can man. I, I guess I'll find out what that means at some point. He's a pretty major character in The Stand, and that would have been early spring of 94, right before this started shooting, so he would have had a Stephen King cachet, even if they can't legally put his name anywhere on the cover. And now we gotta deal with it. <laughs> Arnie, if you can, I, I, I would be greatly impressed yes. 
and most serviced by the confusion I experienced watching Lawnmower Man 2. Give me something close to a plot. Okay, but I'm going to stay high level because if I start getting into the computer hacker dog, it's just going to be crazy. <laughs> it's going to be crazy even at high level. Mm. I will hit mute now to cover my cackling. <laughs> All right, well, let's recap. At the end of the last Lawnmower Man, Job's consciousness was transferred to the computer systems. His body was a withered husk, and it was burned by bombs set by Dr. Angelo. So this movie picks up right at that moment. Reusing that footage, we see the explosions, and then people going into the wreckage, and Job's body is found in the building, and despite looking pretty desiccated last time, it is resurrected. Job was covered with third-degree burns, and his legs had to be amputated, and after reconstructive surgery, he ends up looking nothing like Jeff Fahey and exactly like Matt Frewer. But he was brought back not by regular doctors, but by the Virtual Light Institute. Call 1-900 and get your... <laughs> I mean, what are they supposed to do? I know that they operate outside of the observatory here at Los Angeles, but... I thought it was like the Electric Light Orchestra, like some kind of band. But this is run by evil CEO Jonathan Walker. See, the VLI is the true creator of virtual reality, thanks to Dr. Benjamin Trace, creator of the Chiron chip. Mmm, that sounds good. So, does that go with Rocky Road? <laughs> but after a patent battle gives complete ownership of the chip to VLI, Dr. Trace quits and goes to live a Luddite life on a ranch. But Job has been brought back by the VLI to finish Dr. Trace's work and complete the Chiron chip, creating a new virtual world where all humanity will live jacked in. But the chip has some backdoor programming to prevent it from becoming too powerful. So Job reaches out to his young friend and Dr. Angelo's former next-door neighbor, Peter. Remember Peter? He's the only actor who returned. <laughs> oh, it's the same kid? Yeah. It is. It's very confusing in that way because he's only aged a couple years and yet somehow we're in future L.A. <laughs> When we last saw Peter, he, his mother, and Dr. Angelo were going underground to hide from Job in the shop, but now Peter lives as a homeless teenager on the subways of futuristic L.A. with his three cyber-hacker friends and their cyber-hacker dog. At Job's behest, Peter seeks out Dr. Trace, who uncovers Job's real plan is to become a virtual reality messiah. So Trace breaks into VLI and tries to steal the chip, reconnecting with former co-worker and lover Dr. Corey Platt. They fail to get the chip, so Trace must jack into cyberspace and have a sword fight with Job to finally activate the Egypt protocols in the Chiron chip, destroying the virtual reality city Job had been building. And with Job defeated, Trace, Peter, and Corey seem to be forming a new strange family unit as credits roll. Arnie, I, I see you have the same plot that I did, because you would skip the entire middle, but I guess we'll discuss that and try to decode it. <laughs> Stuff happens, okay? I don't know if any of us will be sure what happens, but yes, something. Right. So yes, when I first saw this way back in 96, my thinking was completely confused. I knew Matt Frewer was taking over for Job, but I was wondering who's the Pierce Brosnan. I'm glad we're doing this retrospective to clear up almost 20 years of confusion that Dr. Trace is a different doctor than Dr. Angelo, 
And so this guy, who's the real father of VR, I guess Dr. Angelo was just stealing his work or something. Well, talk about stealing work. The, the beginning of this film, it's a recap of how the last one ended, which makes no sense seeing where this film goes. Like, Job escapes, he's in the phone system, let's recap that, and then have Job not in the phone system, not in the internet. He's just a burned up body now. Well, it does explain, we all complain about how bad that dummy looked last time. Now we know it's a very accurate depiction of what Matt Frewer looks like in 1996. (laughs) Now, don't be so mean to Matt Frewer. He doesn't look that bad. He doesn't look like a mannequin. I'm going to be very mean to Matt Frewer, because this came out the same year as Generation X. Still (laughs) one of the worst movies I've ever reviewed for now playing. And giving virtually the same performance. And almost the same plot. Yes, yes. The thing he made in between was Dumb and Dumber the series, which I didn't know existed, but it (laughs) at least explains why he keeps cribbing from Jim Carrey. (laughs) Was he at least the Jim Carrey role and not the Jeff Daniels role? (laughs) I have no idea. I didn't look it up. I didn't even want to know. It just, I, I, I moved on. I didn't know there was a Dumb and Dumber the series either, but when or did I. Dumb and Dumberer comes out, I guess we'll retrospective it and find out. Yeah, Matt Frewer, he's an amputee, no legs. Does he have both of his arms? They cut off his legs. We'll learn later. There's some amount of dialogue given to the fact that they trap him into this plot. He won't be able to escape because they cut off of his legs. I thought it, they cut off his legs. Because of the burns. Like, they're talking about the burns over his body, and then they say they amputated his legs. I didn't see anybody come in and go, cut off his legs to keep him a hostage. I thought it was a life-saving measure that they took his legs. Yeah, they do drop a line late in the film that it was done on purpose. Yeah, late in the film, they talk about it as a way of keeping him under their control. No, like- no, they could have given him robot legs. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they they could have they said that they've been withholding his robot legs. Well, he's in a wheelchair. It's not like, you know, he couldn't move. I mean, shit, I'm sure he can go faster in that thing than those futuristic cars that they have tottering around here. Maybe he's down a flight of stairs. No, I'm confused. Not only has Job not escaped into cyberspace as we last thought, as it showed at the beginning of this film. Yes. <laughs> but yes, they remind us about what they're not going to do. But then when they bring him back and he's burned 80% and they do all of this work on him at the Griffith Observatory, (laughs) he starts talking in nursery rhymes. He's regressed. Peter, Peter, pumpkin eater. He's gone back to being a simpleton, right? Why on earth would they devote this much technology to have a simpleton build this Chiron, Chiron, Thyron chip. (laughs) Well, that's what I don't get. Like, okay, we got this husk of a body. It's got no legs. Like, Forrest Gump had come out at this time where they had a guy that had legs depicted with no legs. Like, in this, oh, it looks awful. Like, just his a sack over his legs, so you just pretend you can't see him, I guess. But here you got Matt Frewer, no legs, Peter Peter, pumpkin eater, and then Mr. Walker, who runs VLI. I, I thought it was James Lipton. (laughs) <laughs> in an early acting role. He's like, oh, we're going to keep him here to make a Chiron chip, huh? He's doing nursery rhymes and he's going to make some special microchip for you now? Like, there's no buildup for any. There's no reason that they would think that this handicapped man could build this thing. Yeah, I don't know why they decided to change the company to this virtual light institute. All you'd have to do is make it the same place 
where Angela worked and say, okay, well, they all knew this VSI where Angela worked, Virtual Space Industries, everybody there could know what Job is doing. But because you change it to the Virtual Light Institute, it makes it very confusing why they would all be choosing the mentally handicapped to build their chip. Why did they even mount a rescue operation? The only thing I can give this movie is just to say they knew that Job was a cyber god, and so they are going to use virtual reality again, even though we're not going to really see it happen, to make him smart again so that he can then build the cyber reality for them and they will control it. I pissed my pants, literally (laughs) pissed my pants watching this movie because when they put the dude in the wheelchair in the gyrosphere and he's flipping around like the monkey did, but they can't even afford the Tron suit, it came out. (laughs) That was hysterical to see someone in a wheelchair in a gyroscope (laughs) getting shaken (laughs) and just pulled all around. I just kept waiting. That is probably where the money went. To make the dummy not fall out of that chair (laughs) had to be a magical feat of super glue. It was incredible. I mean, I went on a a jet. I had to pause the movie. I had to go like a laughing, crying jag for about 15 minutes because it's one of those things where like almost instantly. I didn't have high regards for the movie last week, but how we have fallen into this crevice and how much more further are we going to tumble down? We are like five minutes into this movie and it is running neck and neck with Mangler here. I mean, it wants to drag this franchise down to the subterranean level. I mean, this is not going to be the only time you're going to have to pause this to laugh, though, and and just lose your shit. No, no. There's one more time specifically. But, yeah, I mean, they turn on the little Ludwig van, and they have the wheelchair spinning around, and I'm just like, this is bug nuts. I mean, this is totally bug nuts. Job grows some legs in VR. Like, why wouldn't he just have them? Yeah, I love the sparkle magic effects. They can't actually (laughs) afford to computer generate any of the characters. Say what you will about the Jeff Fahey bubblehead. Hey, I said I like. Yeah, I kind of enjoyed it, but at least it was a computer representation of the actor. Here, they just superimpose people onto a cyber background. And the best part is rather than have a black and gold CG body for Matt Frewer, they just give him what looks like a leftover outfit for a background extra from Cleopatra. And he's just wearing a gold pharaoh suit. It's Michael Jackson. I mean, that was like, Michael Jackson even had like an Egyptian video or something like that. I mean, remember the time. Yeah, I remember the time. (laughs) It's Captain EO on a Captain Crunch budget. It's not only is it inappropriate, they don't have enough money to even pull it off. But there's some kind of vague hinting that there's an Egyptian theme. We'll later learn that this Chiron chip, say that three times fast is in this, like, kind of pyramid temple, and there's some kind of Egyptian circuit backdoors. There's some kind of Egyptian motif going on here, but I, you're right. It might have just been as simple as that was what was in the prop shop that day, and they went with it. But like you said, Stuart, this is sometime in the future. This dystopian Blade Runner without a budget future <laughs> of Los Angeles. Rollerblade Runner. Yes, rollerblades, like we have a steampunk ice cream truck that they're going to drive around (laughs) in. Walker drives around in the Mach 5 later on. Like, this is supposed to be the future, and Peter's 
four years older yeah. than the last film? Well, the last film was also in the future. We just <laughs> didn't get to see anything except where they lived in that suburb. The burbs just look like they did in 92. Yeah, something dramatic has happened in between, and I'm not just talking about Brosnan walking away. I mean, yeah, this <laughs> is ridiculous. Everyone is on inline skates wearing glasses that take them to cyberspace. And how we got there from 1992, I don't understand. How Peter's now homeless! Yeah, his mom died, so presumably Brosnan did too, and that he's taken to living as an urchin in the subway system. I mean, LA subway system is, I, I don't think that there's much room to accommodate. They keep trying to expand, but this is not New York here. And that's where he's going to set up shop for some kind of playground. I guess these kids get together to steal, they, we see him steal in the beginning some man's credit card information that he's using on a payphone. <laughs> And that allows them access to a cyberspace that, as best as I can determine, is being monitored by the government. That the government says whether you can go online or not. And if you have the right credits, you get to go. Yeah, we should say we're guessing here. Mm. Because nothing's clear. <laughs> I, I thought it was a paid thing. I thought, like, you had to pay to go online and they just were stealing credit card information. But it is kind of a guess kind of thing. They need his credentials, however it is, to take their VR equipment, which started off as a gyroscope, but now looks like you could build it at Radio Shack. If Radio Shacks are still around. <laughs> I, I guess they are in this future. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't even look well done. It, it looks like one of those kid sets you get with the little highly colored wires, and they're just putting on, yeah, their iPhones. I had to, I did a double take when they t talked about putting on their iPhones, but they actually mean glasses that are telephones. I know. If I was going to give this some props about being like, wow, they, they got something right about the future. No. Yeah, it's a really <laughs> stupid-looking headband. <laughs> yeah, and, and what do they do? They go flying. Like, whatever that movie was last week, at least I guess it could appeal to teenagers. I, I don't think it appealed to adults much, but this is a Disney film, I almost feel like. Like, we get this long sequence of them just, like, flying around cyberspace or street urchin homeless kids living in the sewers. It's very brightly colored. Like, each of them is wearing a individual color, and, like, they've really turned up the intensity of all the colors. Because the trees, I think it's actual footage of a helicopter flying over trees, but they've made the trees so green that they're kind of cyber. Mm, I, I I didn't get any cyber out of this. No, this is stock footage. Maybe they <laughs> manipulated it with paint box or something. But no, don't tell me that these are artificial worlds of cyberspace like we got last time. They don't have the money for that. It's just all bad green screen here. In the quest to say something nice about this movie. Good luck. <laughs> I will say that the symphonic score that accompanies these Superman 4 level work here is actually pretty good. But what was weird, I don't know if you guys noticed it or not, but the audio quality of the music was really subpar. It was almost like they bootlegged it. <laughs> like the guy that wrote this wrote the Police Academy theme. It almost sounded like <laughs> they went into a movie theater and taped the Police Academy theme with like a tape recorder and then said, handed it in and said, this is it. Like this, <laughs> it's crazy, but the audio is really, really bad. Even though the score, I was impressed. I thought we'd get some stupid little keyboard, you know, MIDI kind of stuff, but they actually have a symphonic score that would be good if I could hear it. 
Yeah, I noticed that the sound quality of this was absolutely terrible. I'm watching this in the home theater, and I've got to pump everything up. I don't even think they were using most of the speakers, and it just sounded like crap. But I did have to go buy that score just so I could make some fucking credits for this show. <laughs> now, Artie, I, I don't know what, you know, European steelcase edition you may have watched. I bought I I got I bought this movie twice, Jacob. Twice. <laughs> oh, I have Job's War and Beyond Cyberspace because when I got the director's cut of the Lawnmower Man 2, it sent me a region two version of Beyond Cyberspace. But who can play region two? So I also have the US version. I, I was wondering maybe the sound's so bad is because they crammed both of these films on one disc. Widescreen and regular. Mm. And that fucked me up because I chose widescreen. Stuart, you had to stop the movie to go piss yourself. I had to stop the movie because I chose widescreen and the first 10 minutes aren't. And I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? I picked widescreen. And so I'm going back to the menu. Pick widescreen again. It's four by three. It just, no matter what version you watch, the first 10 minutes are four by three for no fucking reason. <laughs> Maybe all they could get for the footage from part one was the VHS, but that pissed me off. Speaking of piss, I almost did it again when the goddamn yes. dog pops in a CD-ROM and they're on cyber cycles. Yeah, so these kids, they're flying around all of a sudden, like, someone's opening fire on them. I'm not quite sure if it's troops that Job actually sent or if this was a closed government line or whatever. Who knows what this is? But yeah, they get shot down and so they're like, Harvey, with their dog, put in the cyber cycle disc. And the dog, like, it doesn't, like, pick it up with its mouth and, like, push it. No, it's just, it's like a paw. <laughs> it's a glove of a, of yes. a paw. Well, no, he, he uses his mouth to put it in and then uses the paw to push it the rest of the way. This is, like, Inspector Gadget type <laughs> yes. dog stuff. That's why I say this is Disney. I'm watching a Disney film all of a sudden. Right. Is this a PG or a PG-13? This could not be an R-rated movie like the last week. They got a fuck in here, so it's got to be PG-13. It is PG-13. They lowered the rating to try to get that theme park audience. Clearly. I mean, at this point, I'm having misty memories of RoboCop 3. I'm wishing it were <laughs> as good as that kiddified production here. I mean, yeah, it really is going for something completely different. At this point, I wouldn't even call this a horror thing. When when we finally see Job, and he's in that sparkle outfit, and somehow this kid recognizes him, even though it's Matt Frewer. <laughs> even in virtual reality, he can give himself legs, but he can't give himself his own face. <laughs> yeah, here's the thing. Matt Frewer is totally, like, bicked razor bald in this film. It's not like he has that crazy hair that Fahey did in the last one. So there's no reason to recognize him as Job. No, but it's a happy reunion. I mean, I guess Peter never really knew that this guy ran a lawnmower over his father and... Well, his father was abusive, so that wouldn't be the worst thing either. <laughs> Still, I, I think that anyone would be a little traumatized that their best friend was a violent serial killer. I find it hard to believe that if they were reunited anywhere, that it would be so joyous. Yeah, I don't even know if that last film happened in this universe. Right. It did. We started with it. Yeah, which had no consequence on anything we're seeing now. So, again maybe they use that to lure people and that like that first one. I think the only way to recognize it is for a brief flash. And I mean, just like blink and you miss it. Big Red appears. The Lawnmower. Remember, this is called yes. the Lawnmower Man, guys. <laughs> so they actually work in a cameo of his lawnmower and then it's gone. Yeah, the device of killing. 
I want to point out is it makes a brief appearance and then disappears. Why even use this name Lawnmower Man? It is not helping them. He's not mowing any grass. Well, he doesn't even have legs. But I think it's just, if you don't use the name, you're going to not bring in the audience. <laughs> is that what didn't bring in the audience? Okay. Theme park ride, Stuart. Theme park ride. God, that's crazy to me. But maybe that explains why for the rest of the time, when he does go ballistic, because this is the only scene where he's kindly, he gives Peter a task to go find this Dr. Benjamin Trace, and I'm thinking there, this is a partnership. This is going to be like, yeah, a fantasy film where these two are friends. I'm not thinking that he's going to get a spear later on and be chopping people's heads off. Why not make it a lawnmower? At least if he's going to kill people, why can't he be consistent? I don't get the whole Egyptification of what's happened to Job here. But yeah, he's wearing a pharaoh's outfit. He's chopping people's heads off. It's just weird. And for some reason, Peter gets shot in cyberspace. Like, this is what's so confusing. Like, Job shows up. Is he his friend? I'm guessing so. He seems friendly. Peter seems to like him. And then Peter gets shot. And I guess that's how they pull him out of VR. But Job is saying he's dying. So I think this was all to make Job appear in danger. It was all a ruse so that Peter would be motivated to help Job. Well, it's a good thing Peter's friends know first aid because they do drop the line. You die in VR, you die in real life. So let me understand this. The company Virtual Light Industries took a patent for the magic chip. The company stole it away from the creator, Dr. Trace. And rather than hire him back, they decided to rebuild the simpleton in virtual reality so that the simpleton could then make his childhood friend go find this guy to fix everything. Well, it, it's a little bit more confusing as they... <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> They stole the chip after the chip was done. That was the beginning scene. I'd just like to point it out. They have this beginning scene in black and white as if this were happening in a time when there were not computers. (laughs) And after that, whether they fired Trace or whether he just went off to look like he was dropped from Dances with Wolves, but he, he went off and got dreadlocks and a totem pole. Yes. I thought he was supposed to be Native American at first when he shows up. So did I. I really did. I wrote down white Indian hippie. <laughs> so whether he quit or whatever reason, I mean, they stole his work from him. I don't think you can hire him back at that point. So he is gone, but they have everything they need. But now they need somebody to actually build it. So they get Job and they <laughs> reprogram him to not be mentally challenged anymore. But what Job discovers is there's the Egypt protocol in the chip that even he can't crack. Because this chip is a fucking pyramid shape. Huh? That's not how microchips work, right? Well, nobody (laughs) said it was a microchip. Maybe it's a macrochip. A pyramid? Come on, Arnie, I know you do computers. I don't know. To me, this is stretching credibility, and that that's saying a lot for this film. Well, you ought to see how they get, get it out later. I mean, we'll get there, but uh, Ice Cube? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, nothing about Chiron <laughs> Chip makes any damn sense. I could actually go with it being trapezoidal, pyramidal, whatever shape they want it to be, and it doesn't have to be a square. I mean, I imagine that if this is an entire virtual reality engine, it's a processor that has other chips in it, whatever, they call it a chip. It's a MacGuffin. Who gives a shit? I wasn't going to focus on the shape of it. 
what, what blows me away, like this, there's so much Egypt stuff in this film. So I guess it has to be pyramid shape that, because that's central to the plot here as we get into it. Sure. <laughs> so I kind of get it then. You're saying that Job could have had everything that he wanted, but because he has an evil side plot, he's not able to complete the project the way that the company wants. So they have to go back to trace. Everything is about getting the guy who created the chip back into the plot here. But I don't know that anyone except Job knows that Job is reaching out to Dr. Trace. Yeah, I took this as Job going rogue because it's a fucking pyramid-shaped chip (laughs) and there's something about Egypt. Tell me what Egypt means before I get fucking pissed off. Like, there's something Job can't figure out. There's some riddle. I don't know. The the, the Sphinx, didn't he have riddles? So I guess there's got to be a riddle with this pyramid-shaped chip that the Pharaoh is building. And so he's going rogue and going to the original creator to try to get this info. Okay. What, what I love is the fact that it's, this is what Peter is tasked for. The little boy, they're like, get it. I can't find it. This man has access to all of the, you know, the internet. What does the kid do? He Googles him and goes out to the <laughs> desert. He's like, Oh, I found you. How? Well, the internet told me you lived here. Well, he lives in this completely anti-technological Luddite. It's almost like a commune. Yes, a commune of one. Where only he lives, though. There's no extras or other people, yes. So, Job can't get there because, again, no robot legs. So, he has to send somebody with legs and a bike or rollerblades to go get him since there's no phone to ring. I took it as Job needed Trace to jack in to the net or whatever to, I don't know, steal this info. Like, he seems really obsessed with getting him to jack in and trace. He, like, buried his computer. He, he's off the grid at this point. Yes, this is the big character arc for Trace. He's afraid of VR. He refuses to jack in. He's robophobic. Yeah, and so here's the pitch. Um, my friend Job is dying. He was a lawnmower man back when my mom was still alive. He was my best friend, and now he's stuck in virtual reality. And so he's like, okay, I'll come back from that. I mean, I need a catheter at this point because there's no telling (laughs) when it's going to explode next. This movie is making me lose all biological control. And can I just say, I I haven't seen Patrick Bergen since he was beating on Julia Roberts. You guys recognize this is the uh, villainous husband from Sleeping with the Enemy. You know, I do not know this guy. I looked him up and saw that. I didn't recognize him. I was really confused because with the dreadlocks and that kind of puffy face and smile, I thought it was another actor from The Stand. I thought it was the guy who played Randall Flagg, but it isn't, so I don't know this guy. No, no. Yeah, Patrick Bergen, yeah, if you ever saw Sleeping with the Enemy, it, yeah, it's an hour of Julia Roberts putting on hats and listening to brown-eyed girls and ten minutes of him slapping her around. <laughs> I saw it a long time ago. He's really over the top in it, and there's a reason why he's stuck out in the desert. I think this is Palm Springs, honestly. I think that this is about two hours outside of L.A., and he's just like a lot of washed-up people trying to find himself in the desert. But he is the one who created all of VR, and yet even he seems taken a little bit aback that Dr. Angelo could use VR to turn Job from, yes, in Peter's words, from a simpleton into a genius. But it doesn't also take long for Job to just turn fucking evil. As soon as Trace is there, he starts to scream into the television sets and, again, give his most evil Max Headroom. 
Incest, a game the whole family can play. Like, I don't even know why he's referencing incest at this point. These are outtakes from Generation X, aren't they? I mean, these are <laughs> really, I mean, I put it on the writing last time, but now I just think that these are him ad-libbing. I just think that, <laughs> you know, I hate this, that I used to like Max Hedrum, and now this movie, now playing, has killed my love for Max Hedrum. I could never watch that again without disgust. It actually holds up, so you could go back and renew that. I can't, because I have seen this movie and Generation X. <laughs> Somehow I still love Mad Frewer. But yes, this was a dark period in his career. <laughs> so we all agree we don't know why he wants to kill the children. But for reasons only known to him, he is now making a subway train go after the kids' lair so that it can crush them or something. He wants to kill them because he's pissed off at Trace for not sharing. And so his instant reaction is an overreaction to kill them all. Trace all of them in that subway car. It's a mildly interesting scene. I wouldn't exactly go so far as to say exciting. <laughs> mildly interesting? The slowest train chase I've ever seen. I mean, it takes a good five minutes for this thing to crash into their lair. What, what I find funny, we get this face-off between Job and Trace where they're, like, hitting buttons and they're switching the track back and forth. Like, if I was Trace, I'd just wait till the last second yes. and hit it. Like, why do we need to go back and forth? Like, that's stupid. I agree completely. I had the same thought. I didn't understand that they just kept going back and forth. It's whoever hits it last that counts, right? Yeah. No, the, everything is predicated on the fact that, that one of the kids is too stupid to, like, put the dog down and let it run out its own way. And so he can't figure out how to climb a ladder and holding the dog. And so that's the big hair-raising climax to this, quote, train crash that is descending upon their lair. And so now I would hope that Peter understands that his friend Job is, is evil. What does he want at this point? What is his level of involvement? Why does Peter stay in the plot? If he knows that his childhood friend is evil, why is he hanging around? Because this is like cyber goonies? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, Jacob has hit the nail on the head. The director was banned from the editing room the producers took over and really amped up the level of teen stuff to try to aim this entire movie at that audience. Right. So that's your out-of-plot reason. Your in-plot... There is no in-plot reason. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because the plot, for the rest of this movie, the plot is about Trace getting back at the company that stole his patent, getting back with the protege that he had an affair with, who he'll win over, and, yeah, this whatever you want to call it, this tug of war over this pyramid that can be replaced by <laughs> cubes of ice. <laughs> we'll get there. Well, also keep in mind that at this point, Peter's home has just blown up. So he has nowhere else to live. I mean, I, I, the other subway cars, I guess, were busy. He was already homeless. <laughs> he doesn't need a home. He's homeless. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. Where do you go when your sewer is, is gone? I don't know. I guess you go to the Virtual Light Institute, where there's this complicated shenanigans about getting an ID patch and hacking in and... They they steal some equipment. I don't know. You tell me what the kids are doing. I can't figure it out. There's a camera gun. Remember that from Prime Directives? Listen, what they're doing at that point, I mean, we're kind of skipping over the VLI stuff, but when they decide to break into VLI, what they're doing is recreating Star Wars here, and VLI is the Death Star. 
Okay, yeah, I had that when when they were sliding into a trash compactor. I had <laughs> yes. that very distinctive. It's been a while since I've seen Star Wars. I'm not as steeped in it as you guys, but even I was just like, "Why these callbacks? This is so clearly not Star Wars." I mean, did they not want to make a horror movie anymore? Was that just like not an imperative? Was the last one even a horror movie? What seemed to be successful about it was more the sci-fi elements. So they decided to go completely that way. I still think that Terminator 2 was their model and Star Wars was how they ripped off this entire middle by putting the evil doctor in the Princess Leia role. The Chiron ship is the Death Star plans. Trace is our Han Solo and Peter's our Luke Skywalker. God. I think the dog is Chewbacca. Yeah, I didn't extrapolate this far, but if that's indeed what they were trying to do, the level of commitment uh, that they did to ripping it off is very, very poor. I mean, that's not only lazy to rip off Star Wars, they're not even, like, trying to do it well. I just, I I don't get it. Again, I thought that Lawnmower Man was setting up Job to be a Freddy Krueger slasher that comes out of your computer to, you know, mow your face off. And instead, yeah, we've turned into a family film where, yeah, the Goonies are stealing camera guns and out-tricking these buffoons at the planetarium. I struggle to comprehend what even... What What is VLI doing? They drop a line like three days. They want to go live with their virtual city world, and but they got to get congressional approval? Yes. This is what I think, is that in this future, keep in mind that... What we think is key to all of this plot we're trying to discuss. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Al Gore had been out there, you know, talking about the information superhighway. These fools took it literally and said, okay, yes. it's going to be a road with access ramps that will have Egyptian, I don't know, something blocking it. They're actually building virtual reality. Like there's, I guess, like construction workers and scaffolding. Like that's not how programming work. It's you sit at a keyboard and type. I love the steampunk movement, you know, where like H.G. Wells conceived of flying to space in a hot air balloon and all that. I think all that stuff is really fun. This is like the cyber equivalent of that. These are people that have no idea how the internet is going to work, but they're trying to tell us uh, in an exciting kid adventure way uh, what it's going to look like for future LA. And yes, I think that, yes, they have this Greenspan character. He's a senator that comes in. He has the yay or nay on whether the cyber city opens its ramps so that people can come physically live there. And he says no for reasons I'm not sure. And then Job retaliates. By accessing his flight times and somehow making that plane crash on time, I guess. Yeah, I thought they were pulling a Die Hard 2 and changing the altitude or something, but I don't think that's what they actually did. No, I I think what it was was he was just taking over the plane and causing it to crash, like the autopilot. This, this, there's so many stupid cyber thrillers, like Hackers, The Net. Remember Sandra Bullock was being attacked by the internet in the one movie? virtuosity. (laughs) Nobody knew how this was going to work. But yeah, they just presumed that if it had a plug in it, that somehow the computer was going to get in there and get you. It just, it's hilarious to me. It's better than the Mangler 2, where the wires come out from the walls and grab garden shears. (laughs) I don't know about that. Yes, I I guess that's a high point for this film. Better than Mangler 2. And I don't know that I agree with that. (laughs) That's the best compliment I can give it. The one thing they did get right, you know, they talk about how all these people are going to jack in and they're going to be able to, like, 
data farm from them, like get their bank accounts and all this info off of them. I don't know if they're planning on stealing everyone's money and taking over the world, but I said, hey, they at least they got the NSA part right. Uh, no, no, no. I th- actually think here they were ripping off Batman Forever. <laughs> I did get that vibe, yes, with the brainwaves. Yeah, because yes. if you remember Batman Forever, another Jim Carrey villain where everyone who went into his box they got all the knowledge out of their brain. Well, here, everyone who goes into VR, they get everything out of their brain so they can find all of the Democrats who make too much money and that kind of thing and use it to blackmail them. Or something, because at the same time, they're going to wreak havoc on actual cities by having fire hydrants explode and ATMs spitting out a bunch of money. They go full Superman 3 here. That's Job going rogue again, though. Okay, so that is not the the Virtual Light Institute's plot. That is Job. I'm having trouble finding the plot. Yeah, we all are. <laughs> he wants real life to suck, so everyone jacks in, and he could be their cyber god. They're kind of on the same path, but kind of divergent. VLI wants to create the cyber city and basically become the Microsoft of VR. They would have such a presence in VR and create this cyber city that everyone could jack into. But despite being completely illegal and unethical and keeping Job a virtual hostage to work for them for seemingly nothing, they're doing it for profit. I don't see where the money's really coming from. <laughs> yeah, but- how do you monetize that with everyone's inside virtual reality and not working jobs? But okay. If you build it, they will come. Yeah, no doubt they'll come, but they won't draw a check. That's what I'm saying. If you're trying to make money, having everyone become dependent on your cyber city is not the best way to do it. But whatever. I I don't want to understand this. I want to get through it. But then Job wants to take it a step further and make it so that the cyber world... You see, I don't think the VLI wants everyone to become all cyber all the time. They want it to be a fantasy place that they go after work. The new television, the new boob tube. Yeah, they... They drop some line that people will get sick of the internet, and so they'll go to their inner internet. Okay, so it's an internet inside the internet. I know that they drew a circle and then another circle inside of it and said people felt lonely on the internet. And that's all I really understood out of the techno jargon. That's all you can really understand. No wonder the senator said no to this. I mean, isn't it easier (laughs) to say no than yes? Wouldn't you just throw up your hands and be like, no. What I don't understand is after Matt Frewer crashes his plane, they get the president on the iPhone, and he's like, yeah, okay, put it online in 12 hours. <laughs> well, they thought the senator was going to say yes, so business must go on. But I do think that what Job wanted to do was make the real world so shitty that everyone would just jack in full time where he is God here and worship him. Now... I I don't quite see what he gets out of that because he still has a physical body. He has not become all cyber like he did last time. He doesn't even seem to have that many cyber powers. He could make swords out of thin air. Yeah, that's exactly it. They have not worked on him being a monster. Again, I bring up this horror element, which I think was important to the last one. That whole killing spree of the townspeople defined why you wouldn't want him in cyberspace. Otherwise, if he's not going to go around killing everyone, all right, he can be cyber god. Who cares? There's no real stakes here. I don't really care what he does in that little stupid town. It doesn't even look like that great a town. There's not even any cyber sex going on. I mean, I see why people (laughs) liked the cyber world last time. (laughs) It's true enough. As much as I was against that, I I could honestly say I found myself missing it at this point. (laughs) 
Yeah, here, when people jack in, they're basically sitting in a big auditorium. I, that does not seem like fun. <laughs> and they're, it's, it's almost like they're at some kind of mega church because it's just Job standing on a stage telling <laughs> everyone they will worship him. Right, I agree. If, if virtual reality can create anything you want, I want more than the senior citizens that are, yeah, around me, like, yeah, watching some seminar. Maybe this was too primitive a movie and they didn't know what online would be, but I think, like, they needed to show the dirty, grizzled, fat guy going in and becoming a hot chick or something. Become whatever you want in VR. Everyone who's jacking in at home should be ugly and everyone there should be a perfect person, you know? Sell me something as to why this VR is a place <laughs> to be. If you got ATM spitting out money, I want to be at that ATM. I don't want to be in Cyber World. What's wrong about an ATM that gives me money? <laughs> I couldn't understand that myself. <laughs> if that was his his method of, of shooing us into the other world, um, I think there'll be some stragglers. Let me just put it that way. And as lame as this VR, I'm cracking up with this raid, you know, the Goonies and Trace raiding VLI, pulling an Indiana Jones. Like, they, they got to steal the chip because, again, there's some Egyptian riddle. I don't know. Jobs might figure out the key to it. He might not. Have no idea. But they pull Indiana Jones and, like, replace it with a cube of ice. Baffling. And it's not even the huh? real chip. It's not even the real yes. chip. Because Johnny Walker has hidden the real chip <laughs> in his desk drawer. So they walk away with a total paperweight, a pyramid paperweight, and go back to the desert. Plot over, right? We don't even care about them anymore. They're going to go online. Why, why then attack these people with an out-of-control helicopter? The ice I can explain if it helps any. Oh, good. I, I, yes, explain, please. What, what, they had the budget for the ice and they didn't have one for another pyramid? <laughs> they dropped the line that the pyramid is exactly zero degrees centigrade. So if the temperature changes, it sets off the security alarm. But is this chip not running anything? Like, okay, this is a dummy chip. No, it's not running anything yet because Job hasn't put it in place. Does it have to be in cyberspace? Why is there a green light coming out of it then? That's the security alarm. Oh my god. Mm, whatever. <laughs> Listen, at that moment, Peter tells Trace, this isn't one of your best ideas. The writer is in that same boat. It's just a way to create this kind of security system illusion with the lasers and things. Wasn't that also a Batman thing? The smoke and the lasers? It was some heist film. Yeah, they did that. I can't even tell you what really happens for the rest of the movie. There's so much techno jargon. I defy anyone. To, I, I would love to just grab any actor at any given point in the last 30 minutes and say, what are you saying? Because they're all vetering into the cybernetic dimension of the quadrangle, you know, carbonator. Okay, give me a double. How many times do they say jacked in in this film? Yeah. Man. Jacked in, jacked off. What's the difference? A lot. A fucking yes. lot. But what I hear is the plot is eventually that they want to make Job so angry he'll destroy himself and that there's something about the Chiron chip being a dam. <laughs> I yeah, I have no idea. I I heard these wor I heard these words. I will try to decipher because I <laughs> I knew I'd have to write a fucking plot summary, so I had to understand this. You skipped all this in the plot though. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> the Egypt protocol was a dam that would stop VR if activated. But because Job had placed the chip, the key is to make him so angry that he accidentally triggers this protocol. 
Wait, wait, wait. So there is a chip used to build VR that was made to stop VR. He he created the backdoor system that would be a failsafe. So if it actually did its job, then it would fail. I don't understand this. No, no. If it does too much of its job. If it's too good at work, then bad. Yeah, we're going to fire you. Okay. I still don't know what's being accomplished by this city going online anyway, but what's the worst that happens? Some bored senior citizens get to sit around a virtual, you know, city. What's the threat? Hey, man, at least the cyber cycles get to come back. Yeah, they do. In a sword fight? Like, Star they, Wars. Yes. It, it, instead ah. of lightsabers, it's swords. Ah, that's it. Again, I kept thinking, why aren't they using the lawnmower? I guess that would be too bloody. You're right. They want to do the PG-rated fantasy stuff. They won't want to watch anyone get lawnmowered this time. I did, but okay. Yeah, the whole thing, it comes down to Trace versus Job. Trace has finally jacked in. He's faced his fear of VR, the world he created, and gone in to stop Job because infiltrating VLI did nothing. And we've completely blanked over his great reuniting with Dr. Platt, his former lover and still working there and thinks he's evil for fighting on that thing. And there's also another love story between Walker and the blonde there. I did think it was great that at one time that blonde, like, whis- I think she whispers something in his ear. And I'm like, oh, he's going to bang her. And then they cut to a scene where Walker's, like, eating chicken wings and, like, <laughs> threatening Trace over the video phone. I'm like, is he getting a blowjob while he's eating the chicken wings? Like, is this post-coitus <laughs> I, I, t- I honestly took it as post-coitus and hungry. <laughs> yeah, it happens. All I know is the only Johnny Walker I want at this point comes in a glass. <laughs> So the point was to get Job, what, so powerful that he would shut down because he became the Chiron ship? That was the point of the sword fight? Sure. <laughs> Survey says, is this family feud? I mean, we could all take a guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Ding! Sure. What he says is we have to make him angry enough to destroy himself. Okay. Well, here's what I know. Because... God is merciful. At some point, my machine just died. And I figured it out. It's about, I lost about a minute and 35 seconds. But it was the last minute and 35 seconds of this movie. It just completely stopped. It would, it would skip over this conclusion. What I know is, at some point, Matt Frewer is lying on the ground. The child is running to go see him and is grabbed and held at gunpoint by Johnny Walker. And then it just jumped to credits. And there was nothing I could do. (laughs) It is a replay of last one. Remember last one? Job went evil. But when Peter was in danger, Job became good to rescue Peter. When there was a gun at Peter's head, Job went to the light side again to fight against Johnny Walker to save Peter. And he pretty much just, what, trips him. Yeah, because he... Because he doesn't have any yeah, legs. He, and I, I think he might even be mentally challenged again. Yes, yeah, so, Stuart, <laughs> you missed one of my favorite scenes. This is Sloth and the Goonies reuniting the very <laughs> last scene of this film. Corey and Trace and all the kids and Job, they're like... They wheel him out, I, I don't know, onto a balcony at VLI, and they're just, like, looking off into the sunset laughing. And I'm wondering, Frewer, has he gone full retard again? Because that look on his face and the way he's just busting up. I took it that Frewer had gone full retard again. And the Lawnmower Man 3, which they were planning when they made this one, was going to, again, have him go smart a third time. It's like flowers for Algernon on Endless Loop. (laughs) 
What theme park was going to have this as their ride? <laughs> I have to think Universal. I don't think it would be Disney. Mm. Maybe Six Flags. Six Flags is always trying to play catch up, right? <laughs> Who put this out? New Line. Yeah, that's Warner Brothers, and that is, well... That would have been Six Flags. Yeah. So, Jacob Stewart, do you recommend The Lawnmower Man to Beyond Cyberspace, Jacob? So here's the thing, like, you guys have listened to us try to get through this plot. I, after I'd watched the film, I couldn't believe what I had seen. Yeah. Like, I was outstanding. I, I was trying to understand it. I was explaining the plot to a friend, or at least I was trying. <laughs> is that person still your friend after you tried to do this? She is still my friend. <laughs> but here's the thing, I'm like, okay, so then the kids are flying around, then they got the cyber cycles, and a dog puts in a disc, and then there's like this white Native American, and she's like, no, 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 you fell asleep at some point during this movie. I'm like, no, I'm only 10 minutes in. This is the stuff I still <laughs> understand. <laughs> like this, I know I understand the rest of it. Like this film is so incomprehensible. And yet it was kind of enjoyable to watch. I, I am struggling. Does this get, what did we call it? The brown up arrow or whatever you wanted to call that. Yeah. The brown arrow. Yeah. When it's covered in shit, but we're recommending it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I was laughing a lot throughout this film and. I was enjoying watching it. It's an awful film, but it is an enjoyable, awful. I think you could come up with some good drinking games with this. I think you could have a lot of fun trying to figure out the plot at the end. So I guess I, it, it's awful. Don't get me wrong. There, there's nothing redeemable with this, but it's a, it's a special kind of awful. So I, I guess it's getting that brown arrow up. Wow. Stuart. Wow. I guess somebody had to do it. Not going to be me. You know, last time Stephen King sued and successfully won to have his name removed from The Lawnmower Man, I think that Brett Leonard and Pierce Brosnan and Jeff Fahey could have a similar class action suit against them saying that this is in any way a continuation of what they did in cyberspace. I mean, this is not a Lawnmower Man sequel. It is some half-breed of witless children's morphine entertainment mixed with, yeah, Star Wars, Raiders of the Lost Ark, any movie that ever made any money, basically, on a shoestring budget. It's it's a travesty. I mean, we're halfway in. I just want to remind everyone, we're only halfway done with The Night Shift, and it has lived down to every fear I've had about how horrible these movies are. Who even knows how depthless the bottom is? I, I just, I can't, the, it's the sum total. If I had just seen this movie after a bunch of good movies, I might feel one way. But I'm telling you, after those three manglers and the coming back three times and and graveyard shift and all we've had to deal with, this is starting to feel, this right now, this feel, I know it isn't, but it's starting to feel like the worst movie of all time. And, like, and it's just one movie. It's like <laughs> one long, endless train wreck that just will not end. This is astoundingly bad. There aren't enough red arrows to send it to hell. I got a new phrase, though. You know, I used to say things are bug nuts. From now on, things are beyond cyberspace. When it's this crazy, <laughs> it is beyond cyberspace. And I gotta go with Stuart on this one. I gave the last one that kind of brown arrow, guilty pleasure so bad it's good recommendation. But Jacob... This one, yeah, it has some piss-your-pants kind of moments, but I felt like those were all early on. I really felt like the first 10 minutes of this, 15 minutes maybe, were really hysterical. And then the joke gets old, you turn it off and you walk away. The reason I could give the last one some fun is because it was really bad and had some horrible acting, and then 
it got murderous and then it got the VR and it had just enough going on here. I think you'd almost have to be on some kind of chemical to enjoy this because there's just nothing tying it together. Shit is happening. Words are being said, but it's just not enough coherence for that kind of a fun level. And I was kind of hoping it would be when I gave that last one, the unlikely green arrow. And I thought, well, Matt Frewer, I mean, maybe he can mind rape me again. I, I even got a guilty pleasure out of his performance. If you go back to that review, I liked him in Generation X. Here, I don't even like him. I don't like his gold outfit. Patrick Bergen has zero charisma, and I don't understand if he's n a Native American or if he's fighting for our freedom in a Braveheart kind of way. I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> so, no, this movie is... Uh, indecipherable mess and i know enough about the making of to say that i think there's a lot of blame to be spread around from the screenwriter to the director to the producers who then took the film in post and just chopped it to shit in the hopes of continuing their franchise well they all lose because they didn't get their franchise they didn't get their theme park we lose more because we spent our time watching this not recommend and i think truthfully this is the end of anything for Lawnmower Man. If there is ever another Lawnmower Man, I don't think it'll have anything to do with cyberspace. I think it'll have to do with a Greek-worshipping nymph naked mowing grass. You're talking about the original Stephen. That they might actually one day actually adapt Stephen King's story into a feature or a part of an anthology. Yeah, I, that would be the way I would go at this point. Is I mean, how much worse could it be? Quite honestly, even as as absurd and satirical as that story was, I'm not sure it could ever really play straight as a horror about a guy. Yeah, that yeah, it's, uh, you kind of described it, but yeah, he has some affiliation with Greek mythology, and he does yard work and will mow you down if he doesn't like you or feels like he's being cheated. Uh, yeah, I'd rather see that than anything more with Job. I can tell you that, but. No, I mean, at this point, I think that this never should have been adapted in the first place. And it's only proving me right every time we watch a new film. Fortunately, that means that, yeah, with no Lawnmower Man 3, we get to watch a real movie next week. Good or bad, it's going to be real. Like, I'm excited. X-Men, Days of Future Past, it is upon us. And I already recommend it more than Lawnmower Man 2. <laughs> I can't wait for it. I don't know anything about it. I, truthfully, I've stayed out of this one. I haven't followed the plot. I just, uh, there's, I, I, it's not that I don't want to know. I, I hope that it'll be good. It's definitely with ties to first class. It, I'm encouraged, but I don't know anything about this one, guys. I'm just going to let it wash all over me. Yeah, I am very much looking forward to it. I can't even begin to describe my excitement for this one, even though... I'm a little disappointed it's Brian Singer instead of Matthew Vaughn, but... Yeah, it would have been nice to have that. I feel like that director really was key to getting the, the cocktail right. There was a fizziness to that last movie. That was a lot of fun. I agree. And, you know, we'll see what Singer... I, I think that, you know, if he gets it back to where X2 was, I'll be happy. Well, let's hope it's not Jack the Giant Slayer. Oof. <laughs> we can all hope for that much. And then also don't forget... We have our donation shows. If you want some good cyber reality, our silver donation shows, The Matrix, 
Those shows are all available. So if you donate $10 or more right now, you're going to get four Matrix shows. And then later, when it's in theaters, the new Wachowskis film, Jupiter Ascending. And if you donate for the gold level donation, $25 or more, starting this Friday, you're going to get our Planet of the Apes retrospective series. Eight of these films at all, eight apes, one per week. Right, and if you're curious about that, I'm actually releasing a Books and Nachos on the original book. I didn't realize it until recently, but this started as a novel, so I'm covering it. You, you can hear preview thoughts uh, over at Books and Nachos this week. You can find all the details by clicking the banner at the top of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. You can also go to booksandnachos.com, where you can hear my review of the Lawnmower Man short story and a lot more Night Shift short stories. I'm getting to take a little bit of a break and hand Books and Nachos over to Stuart for a while, but I'll be back doing more King in just a little bit. Let's take our time, shall we? <laughs> well, aren't we just doing trucks in two weeks? No, no, we got Odyssey in between. Don't take away a good movie. I'm really excited. After X-Men, we got Kubrick. No, no, we're not going to try. We soon. We'll get to that when we get to it. But no, we're going to take a breather from absolute horse shit and do a classic. So, Jacob Stewart, thank you for joining me. I guess. Until next time, if you'll excuse me, I have things to do, people to see, a billion calls to make. Last journal entry for a while. I won't let Job's death be for nothing. What happened to him is my responsibility. For some reason, I've been given a second chance. So I'm taking my work underground. I can't let it fall into the wrong hands again. If we can somehow embrace our wisdom instead of ignorance. This technology will free the mind of man, not enslave it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing's The Lawnmower Man Retrospective Series. I have to go now. Well, okay, Joe. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Damn it, Carol, I never unplug a program when I'm engaged. You just ruined the whole effect. Come to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we review another film based off the works of Stephen King. You sure don't look like the father of virtuality to me. Your support helps keep Now Playing on the air. We're being cut off. The mainframe will be totally isolated in less than two minutes. Off the net. Our spring donation drive begins in April 2014 where we will be offering bonus review podcasts covering the Matrix and Planet of the Apes movie series. I can't do this without your help. Find out all the details by clicking the banner at nowplayingpodcast.com. Without financial involvement, this project wouldn't exist. And in the archives section, you can find other movie reviews, including A Nightmare on Elm Street, Scream, Star Trek, The Avengers, Transformers, and more. When you hook into the library of my virtual city, you hook into every library in the world. And ultimately, the chip will bring everything online for everyone. Find hundreds of movie review podcasts 
at nowplayingpodcast.com. The potentials for human advancement are endless. And also visit our sister podcast at booksandnachos.com where you can hear reviews of the original Stephen King books and stories on which these films are based. Hey, that's dangerous. That's dangerous. You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter where the hosts post new episode announcements and written movie reviews. This technology is meant to expand human communication, but you're not even human anymore! The links to our social media pages can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com. Come to me, all who have burdens. I will set you free. And you will no longer be the bastard children of a lost generation. Now Playing's The Lawnmower Man retrospective series is edited by Heath, Phil, and Arnie. You said you were going to take me to the city this weekend. But as usual, you're hooked up into that machine. Now playing credit narration by Brock. This universe is mine. I am God here. The film discussed in this podcast is the property of its original copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. You're talking about the shop. The puppet masters that pull all the strings. What? They own me? They'll rub me out the shop if I don't comply? Now Playing Podcast is not affiliated with the makers or distributors of these films. They want to suppress my work! The opinions expressed in Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. Your naive idiocy makes me very angry! Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2014, all rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. Game over. Yes, you nailed it, Joe. You nailed it. Oh, that was sketch. Hey. <laughs> Took a patent for the Chiron chip. Chiron. 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 What? I I never got it wrong. It was like Carmine chip, corn <laughs> chip. I I had nine things written down. <laughs> Thyroid chip. I never understood what they were saying. What is it? Chiron. Chi- Chiron yeah. with a K. Chiron. Or okay. I mean a CH, but K sound. Right. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Tug of war over this Chiron chip. Chiron. God damn it. (laughs) Just call it the chip. Whatever, yeah. Let's talk about Matt Frewer. Let us some talk. God damn. Let's get mind raped. I didn't know there was a Dumb and Dumber the series either, but when... Nor did I. Dumb and Dumberer comes out, I guess we'll retrospective it and find out. Or was it Dumb and Dumber 2? I can't remember what they've called it. No, now. it's Dumb and Dumber-er. No, no, that one came out already. Dumb and dumber Yeah, no, two, there's dumb- a third one that's supposed to come out. Yeah, there's a two, but I think it's spelled, like, oh, is it? way. Is I can't it- remember. Please don't make me talk about that. <laughs> I'm sorry I brought it up. I'm seeing none of those movies. <laughs>